Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome, welcome. It feels like a new episode because I'm in person with Amanda. Don't cry. Don't cry. (laughs) I'm not crying. You're crying. It's been uh, quite some time since we did a recording. So we did our, yeah, we one-to-one, which has been like on Zoom. We've done a couple of those. But now, even though we have a wonderful guest, we're like in person. So I told our guest, like, I don't know how this is going to go. We might just go off the rails. I I don't know. It's, It's crazy. It's a different... Creative energy, if you will. Yes. But we're excited to be together. And yeah, it's been a long time. It it's feels been weird. over a year? I yeah, think, yeah. April, I think so. Been over a year since we've Yeah, because we live. did one in person like before our summer break. Oh, here. did we? Yeah, oh, yeah, we yeah. did. We did. Yeah. yeah. yeah almost a year. Pregnant. No, no, no. Almost a year, though. See, I don't oh, yeah. remember because I was <laughs> pregnant. I don't remember anything from that time. No, no. But almost a year, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And then it doesn't feel like it because it's like I see you every week right right like it, but yeah it's totally different so anyway we'll see how this goes so <laughs> thanks guys for coming and being here we have wonderful guests you know April on our social media we've been talking about April being autism awareness month or rather and autism acceptance acceptance month. yes I keep saying awareness. I don't know. Awareness well because it's been an awareness mind. for yeah. so long yeah. and I know that the jargon is shifting like it always does. We yeah. learn more and we kind of talk about language and how right. words and terms and titles and whatnot, you know, are important. And so, yeah. yes, it's kind of fluctuated to autism awareness. Aware. No, you just said awareness. <laughs> acceptance. Acceptance. You got me on that. <laughs> so autism acceptance. We're learning here. Just We're like learning, all learning. you all. So we've had guests in the past that were ABA experts, uh, applied behavioral analysis We've had several different people, and I think we wanted to kind of come back to it simply because we're in a new world. We're post-COVID. This school year has been, for a lot, either a hybrid of in-person or just distance learning. So, you know, we wanted to have Nicole on. Thanks, Nicole, for coming on to kind of tell us and you guys a little bit about herself, her agency, and kind of what she's seen since COVID. So, Nicole, can you give a little intro about yourself to our listeners? Sure. So my name's Nicole. I am a regional director at CAIO. We recently rebranded. We were formerly Gateway Learning Group, but we've had some exciting changes and um, have been growing across the nation now and rebranded to more suit what, what we're doing now. We started about 15 years ago. Okay. So we were primarily an education-based service. And now that we have shifted and are primarily funded through health insurance and in that field, we've rebranded to make sure we're really representing what we are, what we do and who we are. Did that coincide with COVID or was that just a coincidence? That switch? um, The rebrand just happened a few weeks ago. So we just switched over a few weeks ago, but. Oh, wow. Yes. (laughs) We see a lot of companies like pivoting during this time. And I think in some ways pivoting for, great, great strides. Like it's important to, I guess, pivot your business when, when it's necessary, but being innovative and creative is how we can best serve the population that we're trying to serve. Right. Absolutely. And I think that, I mean, it's exactly what everybody had to do this past year. Everybody's 
role changed in some fashion during COVID. We actually, we only had a short pause when we have a large presence in the San Francisco Bay Area. So when they first shut everything down and their stay-at-home orders were in place, we took a step back and evaluated and developed some pretty stringent health and safety guidelines. So we actually continued in-person support all throughout. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. Yeah, because we yeah. know a lot didn't. And yeah, San Francisco, I feel like it was like the first to really shut down. Yeah. We were down here in Orange County thinking, oh, are we going to shut down? And then thinking, this is going to be three weeks. Flash forward yeah. a year later. That was the Tiger yeah, King days. Like where everybody was like baking sourdough bread and watching Tiger King and we were going to get through this. I mean, we have gotten through this as best as we can. But yeah, that's interesting because I know that that was a lot of conversation with you know, a lot of different agencies being like, are we essential? Are we not? And I'm like, absolutely. Speech yeah. and language, physical therapy, you know, all you guys like, you know, essential. need to. But it, it was difficult, right? Because not Definitely. everybody had the right safety gear or just even knew what they could do because it was new territory. We yeah. also want to protect your service Input, providers yeah. too. Yeah. Absolutely. And that we had very honest conversations with our families and shared with them our Mm -hmm. health and safety policies Mm -hmm. and checked to see if that was something they were comfortable with doing. And if they weren't, we were, we shifted to a telehealth model if that was appropriate. And if not, then we continued with maybe telehealth parent training so they could still get some support during this time. I was impressed with, at first I wasn't sure how telehealth ABA was going to work. It was something very new that we've never done before, but it was exciting. There was changing up materials and how we present things normally at Kayo. We're a very naturalistic ABA program. So we're used to being on the floor and playing and engaging and doing those types of things. So trying to find ways to create those opportunities through the screen just took a little more creativity. And I've joked with all of my colleagues that usually we're helping teach the children and clients how to be flexible. And it was our turn to really be flexible and shift how we normally do things. And make sure that we're able to implement those learning opportunities through the screen. Absolutely. So let's back up a little bit for our listeners. Can you tell us in a nutshell what ABA therapy is? So I still think this is a pretty big misconception across in our society overall. ABA is really the science of using the principles of reinforcement to teach skills. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people kind of get under these misconceptions that ABA is one particular aspect Mm -hmm. or one particular aspect of ABA is what ABA actually is. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of different things that fall under that umbrella. So ABA is this naturalistic teaching that I'm talking about. ABA is discrete trial learning. ABA is using that reinforcement. But I think a lot of times people think it's really segmented and only for young people and Mm -hmm. it's very robotic Mm -hmm. and repetitive where that doesn't have to be the case. That is one type of ABA. But really, we're just using the principles of reinforcement to teach skills and help support our learners. And we can do that across the board. I mean, they use it with people who are gambling. They use it for people to help quit smoking. I I was just going to say, I think the conception as well is just children with autism. And there's like a plethora. Yeah, Yeah, I think we even get schools that try to say, well, this child doesn't have a diagnosis of autism, so they can't have ABA. But so that's a misconception that it's not just for... I mean, it's probably your biggest population that you work with, especially certain agencies, but... 
Absolutely. But it's used across the board. I mean, it's used in organizational behavior management, so supporting organizations and helping them support their employees. I use it at home all the time. (laughs) I bet. Yeah. Once you're in it, you're in it. Um, And it kind of takes over all aspects of your life. But it's really just, like I said, using those principles of reinforcement to help support the learner gain different skills in whatever those areas might be. And that can apply across the board when we talk about with IEPs, how we're really addressing. And it always boggles my mind when ABA is proposed, like, we're going to do an hour a week. And it's like, well, we need these principles to be generalized across the setting. It needs to be across the board, Mm -hmm. the child's entire day. It's not something that you just didn't do an hour a day. We're going to teach the child. It's not like math, right? Absolutely. Yes, it's something that's a much more intensive therapy. But once everybody on that team, whether that's at home with the family or in school with the teachers, is on board and understanding of those principles, they can use it across that full day as well. And it doesn't mean that there's intensive therapy going on all day, every day. It's more using the same strategies, the same language, the same prompting throughout the day, which can be taught to any number of individuals that are working with the students. So from the teacher to the aide to the PE teacher, you know, everyone can, they don't have to be specialists to gain some of the strategies and and utilize them, right? Absolutely. So we really focus on collaboration across all teams. Mm. So we want to work with the family. We want to work with the school team, any other related services that individual has, whether that be speech, OT, psychologist, everybody. So we're all on the same page. We're all, like you said, using the same language. If an OT is talking about feelings and emotions and self-regulation in one way, but in ABA, we're talking about it in another way that's Mm -hmm. not going to support the learner. They're going to be Mm -hmm. confused and not be able to generalize that skill. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure we're all on the same page. Hey, do you have a visual that really works well for this? Let's use it in all settings. And the same way we talk to our families, we want to work ourselves out of a job. We want to be able to support like I said, that whole environment so mm-hmm. that that child doesn't necessarily need this intensive service for so long, for ever, right. Right. or we're able to shift what that looks like as exactly. time goes on. And I think a lot of agencies, like we'll have parents that have been like, I've had ABA for like six years and there's no progress, right? Yes. And that is not ABA, like the correct way of doing ABA. It's very data-driven And I see you nodding, yeah, because I think, you know, different people do things different ways. But in our experience, when a parent hasn't really had any movement, we kind of, you know, bring that to light and say, well, why? (laughs) You know, why isn't it? So in your experience, are you just seeing families like based through insurance? Have you worked with IEP teams in the sense that you're going into the schools? Kind of give us a little bit of a preview of what an actual caseload may be for you or your therapist? Sure. So we do both. Okay. We provide services in the home, school, and community. Oh, awesome. Um, this past year's looked a little different, yeah. obviously, but we're starting to, as families are more comfortable in different regions are opening back up, able to now go to the parks again and yeah. do some of those outdoor yeah. outings that we were 
really doing as part of our routine Mm -hmm. sessions. We want to help support the family in the most naturalistic way and during their daily routines. So if that involves going for a walk around the block, that involves going to the park so we can work on social skills in a real life environment, Mm -hmm. that's where we really want to focus on Mm -hmm. that. I mean, I've done everything from dentist appointments, doctor's visits, wherever that family really needs the most support we're able to provide those services and then we have been we're contracted with several different school districts Mm -hmm. where we go in and provide that behavioral support using their IEP goals oh excellent yeah and so you're able to kind of provide that support throughout so that you know it's not you know oftentimes we'll see you know a private ABA agency and then the child might have like some type of functional behavioral assessment in the school which thereby provides them with some type of behavioral aid but then that aid is doing things differently you know they may not necessarily be ABA trained or anything like that and so we try to get collaboration going because if the at home is doing something that would be beneficial at school you know we want there to be some consistency so that the child is performing you know throughout because we get that a lot I mean I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a new client who has ABA at home and I've asked have they been invited to the IEP team Right. meeting? Have they collaborated with the school team? And the answer is usually no. And for whatever reason, whether the parent didn't realize, which I would assume that the home program would want to collaborate. Sometimes the school programs don't. Sometimes they're not invited. Sometimes, you know, if the parents can't afford, like I know some agencies, they would have to, the parents would have to pay for the agency to go, the supervisor to go to the IEP meeting. So that makes it tough. But yeah. Collaboration, I think, is so important, especially, you know, when you talked about consistency of, you know, language and using visuals, because I see so often families that have AVA providers that are doing great work at home, Mm -hmm. and the parents will say, well, yeah, we're not seeing that behavior at home. And the classic example of the IEP team not understanding, saying, well, that's the home environment, it's different. Well, no, it's not necessarily different. They're still learning, especially if they have home ABA, they're probably learning a lot. It's just they're utilizing a different strategy. Definitely. And that's, I definitely attended my fair share of IEP meetings. And like you said, they're very different in what level of participation is involved. Mm. But even other than just that meeting, if there is a school ABA team or even just coordinating with the teacher, if there's not necessarily an ABA component, but they're provided, they have an aid in the classroom working with them to ensure that consistency and collaboration because it's huge. Like you said, it's we're not going to generalize those skills across the board if everybody's mm-hmm. not on the same page. Exactly. So I know we jumped around a bit and you were talking about how the telehealth was provided. Was that like in the form of just really meeting with the parent for a little bit and just kind of informing them of what they may need, you know, at the follow-up therapy session with the child? Or was it kind of a big smorgasbord of like, okay, this is what we're going to do in this time that we have together via telehealth? It was, each case was unique. So some of them were just that, where it was a parent conversation. I think telehealth really provided us a lot of unique opportunities that we might not have had before, where we could observe at different times of day without being present mm-hmm. and changing the way the child might react. Sometimes right. you have yeah. that relationship with a kid that yeah. as soon as you walk in, they're following directions and right. doing what they're supposed to do. But yeah. kind of like, as soon as you leave, these things happen. Right. So we've been able to kind of dial in. Sometimes parents have been able to set up an iPad or a phone somewhere and we can watch dinner or we can watch 
the bedtime routine or whatever that might be to really observe and then guide parents. We even did some different scenarios where I had one of the children I worked with was receiving his ABA sessions via telehealth. So his behavior technician was on one side of the screen. He was on the other. They would engage in activities together and work on his goals. And he was new to ABA. So his mom wasn't exactly sure what to do in certain situations. So we talked about, okay, well, while they're on session, I'm going to call you so I can see what's happening through the screen, through the telehealth, and then I can talk you through on the phone how to react in these specific mm. situations. So it was really that like a behavior skills training for the parent, but without the child knowing I'm there, without right. them, you know, hearing those interactions and that feedback, I was really able to coach mom through what to do in the moment and help support them in that way. It seems like such a great tool that you can use moving forward and hopefully more agencies are doing that of, you know, I think there were some assessments that I had students do where we're talking about behavior and this, I remember the school team saying, well, I don't like, you know, it's hard to observe, you know, if they're just on the screen, they're seeing one side. And I said, well, have the team set up a, have mom set up like another computer behind them and it, it worked. And like, that's something that I, I would, I mean, I don't even think about the, you know, setting it up during meal time or bedtime to really see something right. that they would never be able to see. If they were in the home with the family, it wouldn't be the same situation. So right. that's a great tool. And then some of the direct therapy sessions, like I said, we had to get creative and flexible. So I was working with some young learners through the screen and I had a lot of different Zoom backgrounds with Mm -hmm. dinosaurs and different Mm -hmm. things or we've talked about people would set up mini vacations and they would travel to places and put up their Zoom background and that's what they would do as part of, you know, their activities and playing games together through the screen or I luckily have a toddler at home so I was able to go steal some toys, bring them in and we would have similar toys in front of us and engage in that way. That's cool. So going forward, we know that a lot of schools are starting to open up back in person. It's hopeful that all schools will be back in person by the fall. But so for dealing with behavior, transitions are always tough. So do you have some strategies, some tools, some tips for parents or educators on helping ease that transition back to in-person after a year of being away? Sure. So just some things that come to mind are really priming their children about right. what's going to happen, maybe setting up calendars with them where they're checking off the days to going back to school. Mm. I've done a lot of creating little photo albums or even maybe an album of those pictures on their iPad or other device where they can look through and remember the fun things they do there so that they're excited to go back and yeah. really highlighting those aspects of, look, we're going to see Miss Jenny again. Right. All of right. your friends are going to be there. And going through that and also maybe working with the teacher or the classroom to what types of rules are going to be in place now that are different. Are they going to be lining up or are they doing things in different manners so that they can kind of create another visual, maybe a social story or something like that, that involves all of those things so that when we go to school, it might be different. We're going to have to wear our mask and sit at our desk. If they're going to have partitions on them or spaced apart, whatever that might look like. The more information they have ahead of time, the better, so they can best prepare their child. But even if they have some generic information in there, I think that would be great to review with them, possibly reviewing what the class schedule is going to be if they have access to that. So they can, again, just talk about that and especially the things that are going to be different than they were previously. 
And that's great information for parents because as spring semester kind of rolls on, a lot of kiddos have their annual IEPs or they will be transitioning to middle school or high school or kindergarten or whatever. And we typically see those IEP meetings in May and June. And so this episode drops at a perfect time in April in that, you know, parents can, and you know, you can always follow up with an IEP meeting and they need to have it within 30 days of your request so that you can talk about these things or the teacher can help in terms of, oh, okay, yeah, you know, these are the rules that we currently have, you know, because some kiddos are in person and what realistically has worked, what hasn't, which is all good information. And I don't think people are asking the teachers enough of that. I think on, and it doesn't matter if they don't have that same teacher as long as a child has something that you can use to kind of prime and and I know some people will be back in person for summer but summer is always a little different because sometimes it's only 20 days it's only a couple hours anyway and even though we're saying kiddos will return and the hope is that it will be full time I'm assuming that some will have that kind of hybrid program where it's only a couple hours a day And that looks really different from the last time some kiddos were in school, right? They were in school the whole day or they took a bus and they love taking the bus, but now they're not or whatever, right? So I love that idea. I love the calendar as well because kids really sometimes don't understand the concept of time. But when you're able to kind of put a visual and it helps them, you know, cross out and be in control of like one more day down. I think that's really useful for a lot of our kiddos and any anxiety that they have with transition. Cause it's not just, they woke up and it's like, okay, you're going to school today. And it's like, what? Like, it's not a surprise at all. That's wonderful. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, I use visual timers at home with my daughter all the time. We're working on potty training and she doesn't want to go like, all right, as soon as I set the timer and it's running down and she can see it, that's like, mom's not telling me to go to the bathroom. This thing has deemed it's time to go to the bathroom now. That's great. That's awesome. So, Nicole, um, how can people kind of reach out to you if they want more information? I'm sure, you know, people with different insurances would probably want to contact you. So what? where's the best place for them to contact you? Phone, email, online? Sure. So they can definitely contact me directly. That's completely fine. We also have, they can schedule on our website, they can schedule either intake calls or we do complimentary behavioral consultations. So if a family just wants to know a little bit more and have a conversation with a BCBA before, you know, taking that next step, they can do that. They can schedule it right online. So our website is kayocare.com. Kayo is K-Y-O. And then there are links on that site to schedule those either intake calls or consultations. And during the intake call, they'll automatically get routed to the regional director in their area. Oh, excellent. And can you just briefly break down who or what a BCBA is? Sure. So a BCBA is a board certified behavior analyst. We undergo, um, we have a master's degree in a related field and then have additional requirements through the certification board that provides our certification that we have to get a certain amount of experience hours in the field supervised by another BCBA and pass pass a written exam as well to get that certification and then continuing education units involved every two years to maintain that certification as well. So a lot 
to become one and very much qualified and what a treat to be able to, to speak to one. Um, and even if you already have one, it's always good to sometimes kind of see because so many people do things in so many different ways. Behavior is a form of communication. And I think oftentimes people look at behavior in children as something that needs to be controlled instead of understood. And I think that that um, with your naturalistic kind of approach that you've mm-hmm. been talking about, I definitely sense that you're not like that. <laughs> so it'd be nice to be right. able to, to talk um, to somebody else and just see maybe a different perspective of your child's behavior and, and what can be done yeah. um, to kind of help your child express themselves in a way that you're able to respond in, in an appropriate manner as well. Absolutely. And we have some free webinars on our website too mm-hmm. that okay. break down different things into some, they're small, about 30 minutes, for short, they're about 30 minutes long, where parents can join in and learn about a specific ABA topic and learn, get very specific tools how to use that at home. So we started those, we did start those during COVID and they've been a big success throughout the community. Oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> it's always nice, especially 30 minutes. Like I was like, I could do that. Yeah. I could watch a couple in 30 <laughs> minutes. Right. And be able to kind of see, you know, for us, we meet so many different people, not just through this podcast and in our work life, but at IEP meetings. And, and we try to take as much as we can because we really get to know different techniques and just perspectives and, and, you know, a person is able to live through certain experiences and, you know, no child is, is exactly alike. They can try to like clump them in, but I love the BCBA that can come and just be like, okay, you tried A, B, and C, how about X, Y, and Z? Or like, you know, it might be, or they think of something completely different. Like, well, they have like a pet bird in the house. And so they're distracted because, and it's just like, wait, what? How has nobody thought of this? So it's always nice to get an outside opinion and perspective of of a situation that you're really close to. So we always love connecting with different people like yourself. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for coming onto our podcast. We'll Um, add all your content information in the show notes mm -hmm. and you know, for our listeners, if you're thinking that you might need to get into, you know, telehealth or ABA, if you don't have it, if you're sitting here thinking, oh, wow, my child could benefit from that, you know, please take a look. Their website will have it all in the show notes and feel free to reach out to Nicole. And yeah, another week in the books. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Nicole, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. We'll talk to you all next week. Take care. Bye. Bye.